Section 15 of The Expedition of Humphrey Clinker This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Geeson The Expedition of Humphrey Clinker by Tobias Smollett Section 15 to sir watkin phillips of jesus college oxford bath april twenty fourth dear phillips you have indeed reason to be surprised that i should have concealed my correspondence with miss blackaby from you to whom i disclosed all my other connections of that nature but the truth is i never dreamed of any such commerce till your last informed me that it had produced something which could not be much longer concealed it is a lucky circumstance however that her reputation will not suffer any detriment but rather derive advantage from the discovery which will prove at least that it is not quite so rotten as most people imagined for my own part i declare to you in all the sincerity of friendship that far from having any amorous intercourse with the object in question i never had the least acquaintance with her person but if she is really in the condition you describe i suspect mansell to be at the bottom of the whole his visits to that shrine were no secret and this attachment added to some good offices which you know he has done me since i left alma mater give me a right to believe him capable of saddling me with this scandal when my back was turned nevertheless if my name can be of any service to him he is welcome to make use of it and if the woman should be abandoned enough to swear his bantling to me i must beg the favour of you to compound with the parish i shall pay the penalty without repining and you will be so good as to draw upon me immediately for the sum required on this occasion i act by the advice of my uncle who says i shall have good luck if i pass through life without being obliged to make many more compositions of the same kind the old gentleman told me last night with great good humour that betwixt the age of twenty and forty he had been obliged to provide for nine bastards sworn to him by women whom he never saw mr bramble's character which seems to interest you greatly opens and improves upon me every day his singularities afford a rich mine of entertainment his understanding so far as i can judge is well cultivated his observations on life are equally just pertinent and uncommon he affects misanthropy in order to conceal the sensibility of a heart which is tender even to a degree of weakness this delicacy of feeling or soreness of the mind makes him timorous and fearful but then he is afraid of nothing so much as of dishonour and although he is exceedingly cautious of giving offence he will fire at the least hint of insolence or ill-breeding respectable as he is upon the whole 
i can't help being sometimes diverted by his little distresses which provoke him to let fly the shafts of his satire keen and penetrating as the arrows of teucer our aunt tabitha acts upon him as a perpetual grindstone she is in all respects a striking contrast to her brother but i reserve her portrait for another occasion three days ago we came hither from the hot well and took possession of the first floor of a lodging-house on the south parade a situation which my uncle chose for its being near the bath and remote from the noise of carriages he was scarce warm in the lodgings when he called for his nightcap his wide shoes and flannel and declared himself invested with the gout in his right foot though i believe it had as yet reached no farther than his imagination it was not long before he had reason to repent his premature declaration for our aunt tabitha found means to make such a clamour and confusion before the flannels could be produced from the trunk that one would have imagined the house was on fire all this time uncle sat boiling with impatience biting his fingers throwing up his eyes and muttering ejaculations at length he burst into a kind of convulsive laugh after which he hummed a song and when the hurricane was over exclaimed blessed be god for all things this however was but the beginning of his troubles mistress tabitha's favourite dog chowder having paid his compliments to a female turnspit of his own species in the kitchen involved himself in a quarrel with no fewer than five rivals who set upon him at once and drove him upstairs to the dining-room door with hideous noise there our aunt and her woman taking arms in his defence joined the concert which became truly diabolical this fray being with difficulty suppressed by the intervention of our own footman and the cook-maid of the house the squire had just opened his mouth to expostulate with tabby when the town waits in the passage below struck up their music if music it may be called with such a sudden burst of sound as made him start and stare with marks of indignation and disquiet he had recollection enough to send his servant with some money to silence those noisy intruders and they were immediately dismissed though not without some opposition on the part of tabitha who thought it but reasonable that he should have more music for his money scarce had he settled this knotty point when a strange kind of thumping and bouncing was heard right overhead in the second story so loud and violent as to shake the whole building i own i was exceedingly provoked at this new alarm and before my uncle had time to express himself on the subject i ran upstairs to see what was the matter finding the room door open i entered without ceremony and perceived an object which i cannot now recollect without laughing to excess it was a dancing-master with his scholar in the act of teaching 
the master was blind of one eye and lame of one foot and led about the room his pupil who seemed to be about the age of three score stooped mortally was tall raw-boned hard-favoured with a woollen nightcap on his head and he had stripped off his coat that he might be more nimble in his motions finding himself intruded upon by a person he did not know he forthwith girded himself with a long iron sword and advancing to me with a peremptory air pronounced in a true hibernian accent mr watchacallum by my soul and conscience i am very glad to say you if you are after coming in the way of friendship and indeed and indeed no i believe you are my friend sure enough gra though i never had the honour to see your face before my dear for because you come like a friend without any ceremony at all at all i told him the nature of my visit would not admit of ceremony that i was come to desire he would make less noise as there was a sick gentleman below whom he had no right to disturb with such preposterous doings why look ye now young gentleman replied this original perhaps upon another occasion i might chivily request you to explain the meaning of that hard word preposterous but there's a time for all things honey so saying he passed me with great agility and running downstairs found our footman at the dining-room door of whom he demanded admittance to pay his respect to the stranger as the fellow did not think proper to refuse the request of such a formidable figure he was immediately introduced and addressed himself to my uncle in these words your humble servant good sir i'm not so preposterous as your son calls it but i know the rules of civility i'm a poor knight of ireland my name is Eulic MacKillicut, of the county of Galway. Being your fellow-lodger, I'm come to pay my respects, and to welcome you to the South Parade, and to offer my best services to you, and your good lady, and your pretty daughter, and even to the young gentleman your son, though he thinks me a preposterous fellow. You must know I am to have the honour to open a ball next door to-morrow with Lady McManus, and being rusted in my dancing, I was refreshing my memory with a little exercise. But if I had known there was a sick person below, by Christ, I would have sooner danced a hornpipe upon my own head than walk the softest minuet over yours. My uncle, who was not a little startled at his first appearance, received his compliment with great complacency, insisted upon his being seated, thanked him for the honour of his visit, and reprimanded me for my abrupt expostulation with a gentleman of his rank and character thus tutored i asked pardon of the knight 
who forthwith starting up embraced me so close that i could hardly breathe and assured me he loved me as his own soul at length recollecting his nightcap he pulled it off in some confusion and with his bald pate uncovered made a thousand apologies to the ladies as he retired at that instant the abbey bells began to ring so loud that we could not hear one another speak and this peal as we afterwards learned was for the honour of mr bullock an eminent cow-keeper of tottenham who had just arrived at bath to drink the waters for indigestion mr bramble had not time to make his remarks upon the agreeable nature of this serenade before his ears were saluted with another concert that interested him more nearly two negroes belonging to a creole gentleman who lodged in the same house taking their station at a window in the staircase about ten feet from our dining-room door began to practise upon the french horn and being in the very first rudiments of execution produced such discordant sounds as might have discomposed the organs of an ass you may guess what effect they had upon the irritable nerves of uncle who with the most admirable expression of splenetic surprise in his countenance sent his man to silence these dreadful blasts and desire the musicians to practise in some other place as they had no right to stand there and disturb all the lodgers in the house those sable performers far from taking the hint and withdrawing treated the messenger with great insolence bidding him carry his compliments to their master colonel rigworm who would give him a proper answer and a good drubbing into the bargain in the meantime they continued their noise and even endeavoured to make it more disagreeable laughing between whiles at the thoughts of being able to torment their betters with impunity our squire incensed at the additional insult immediately dispatched the servant with his compliments to colonel rigworm requesting that he would order his blacks to be quiet as the noise they made was altogether intolerable to this message the creole colonel replied that his horns had a right to sound on a common staircase that there they should play for his diversion and that those who did not like the noise might look for lodgings elsewhere mr bramble no sooner received this reply than his eyes began to glisten his face grew pale and his teeth chattered after a moment's pause he slipped on his shoes without speaking a word or seeming to feel any further disturbance from the gout in his toes then snatching his cane he opened the door and proceeded to the place where the black trumpeters were posted there without further hesitation he began to belabour them both and exerted himself with such astonishing vigour and agility that both their heads and horns were broken in a twinkling and they ran howling downstairs to their master's parlour door the squire following them halfway called aloud that their colonel might hear him go rascals and tell your master what i have done 
if he thinks himself injured he knows where to come for satisfaction as for you this is but an earnest of what you shall receive if ever you presume to blow a horn again here while i stay in the house so saying he retired to his apartment in expectation of hearing from the west indian but the colonel prudently declined any farther prosecution of the dispute my sister liddy was frighted into a fit from which she was no sooner recovered than mistress tabitha began a lecture upon patience which her brother interrupted with a most significant grin true sister god increase my patience and your discretion i wonder added he what sort of sonata we are to expect from this overture in which the devil that presides over horrid sounds hath given us such variations of discord the trampling of porters the creaking and crashing of trunks the snarling of curs the scolding of women the squeaking and squalling of fiddles and hoboys out of tune the bouncing of the irish baronet overhead and the bursting belching and brattling of the french horns in the passage not to mention the harmonious peal that still thunders from the abbey steeple succeeding one another without interruption like the different parts of the same concert have given me such an idea of what a poor invalid has to expect in this temple dedicated to silence and repose that i shall certainly shift my quarters to-morrow and endeavour to effectuate my retreat before sir ulic opens the ball with my lady macmanus a conjunction that bodes me no good this intimation was by no means agreeable to mistress tabitha whose ears were not quite so delicate as those of her brother she said it would be great folly to move from such agreeable lodgings the moment they were comfortably settled she wondered he should be such an enemy to music and mirth she heard no noise but of his own making it was impossible to manage a family in dumb show he might harp as long as he pleased upon her scolding but she never scolded except for his advantage but he would never be satisfied even though she should sweat blood and water in his service i have a great notion that our aunt who is now declining into the most desperate state of celibacy had formed some design upon the heart of sir ulic mackilligat which she feared might be frustrated by our abrupt departure from these lodgings her brother eyeing her askance pardon me sister said he i should be a savage indeed were i insensible of my own felicity in having such a mild complacent good-humoured and considerate companion and housekeeper but as i have got a weak head and my sense of hearing is painfully acute before i have recourse to plugs of wool and cotton i'll try whether i can't find another lodging where i shall have more quiet and less music 
he accordingly dispatched his man upon this service and next day he found a small house in milsham street which he hires by the week here at least we enjoy convenience and quiet within doors as much as tabby's temper will allow but the squire still complains of flying pains in the stomach and head for which he bathes and drinks the waters he is not so bad however but that he goes in person to the pump the rooms and the coffee-houses where he picks up continual food for ridicule and satire if i can glean anything for your amusement either from his observation or my own you shall have it freely though i am afraid it will poorly compensate the trouble of reading these tedious insipid letters of dear phillips yours always j melford End of section 15